You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is 2023, which is almost hard to believe. We also have only 17 games left in the NFL regular season for 2022, which is even harder to believe. We saw a great slate of action on Sunday, yesterday, and a lot of interesting twists and turns in the playoff race. We're going to cover all of it, and we're going to look back at the performances that either helped or hurt you the most in championship week. But before we do that, Dennis, how was your new year? My new year was fantastic except the Buckeyes lost, um, you know, my, my six championships are still all kind of in question. Um, I, it looks like I may win my free leagues, which, you know, always sucks when you like to play for money. Um, no, I've, I've got a, I'm, I'm out on one and I, and I have a decent shot at, uh, the other five leagues. So, um, it's a uh, a mixed bag, you know. I, I have uh, some Josh Allen going, some Joe Burrow going, some Joe Mixon going, going for and against Gabe Davis. So, As, like you do, you know. It this I was thinking about this yesterday. Not only is tonight's game possibly probably the best matchup of week 17, but it's also fascinating that it's got to be one of the most potentially impactful Monday night games we've had during a fantasy championship week, because you have two of the top quarterbacks, at least three of the top 15 wide receivers, a couple of good running backs and a couple of incredible boom bust options that a lot of people are throwing out there. Like, Mr. Gabe Davis, who you just mentioned, who could be a wide receiver for or could give you 95 points, depending on, you know, how many bombs he can catch tonight. Figure it's got to swing a lot of fantasy fortunes. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting watch tonight, that's for sure. Well, before we get uh, to watch Monday Night Football, let's look back at the week 17 that was, and we'll start off with a barn burner in Atlanta where the Falcons held on for the 20-19 to win over the Arizona Cardinals. 
Cardinals have had kind of a lost season, Dennis, but uh, with the injury to Zach Ertz, we've gotten to see Trey McBride, who some people thought was the best of the tight end class of 2022, get to have a bigger role. He's seen 25 targets, caught 17 passes the last four weeks, had seven for 78 and a touchdown yesterday. Do you like what you're seeing? Yeah, I do. I mean, McBride was regarded as one of the best, if not the best, tight end in this rookie class. Now, I know we've had guys like uh, Jelani Woods and Greg Dolchich and Daniel Bellinger and even Kate Otten pop up and play really well and actually get more playing time because uh, McBride was behind Zach Ertz. But now that he's got a shot, he, he looks like he fits. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in Arizona with Zach Ertz. And I know teams are running a lot more two tight end stuff. Uh, but that doesn't seem like the Cliff Kingsbury kind of approach to things. So I do like McBride. He's somebody where I, I've kind of evolved into uh, after last draft season and kind of seeing how it went. I'm I'm evolving into a, unless they are an elite talent, a la Kyle Pitts, uh, I'm probably not drafting rookie tight ends. Um, just because I, I, it's just as easy to kind of trade for them in their second or third year. And there's only about three or four of them that really produce at a difference-making level. So why spend draft capital there? Take some shots on running backs or wide receivers. But I do have a couple shares of Trey McBride. As you can tell, that uh, that strategy evolved after. Well, even uh... – I was going to say, even Kyle Pitts, we all love the talent. We haven't exactly gotten the most robust first couple of years here. Um, on the flip side, for the Falcons, you know, we saw them trade away Calvin Ridley in the middle of the season. I know he hasn't been on the field, and people probably forgot about that. But they have a good young receiver in Drake London. Uh, the aforementioned Kyle Pitts will hopefully be back healthy next year. And it looks like they found a pretty decent running back in Tyler Algier. We haven't seen a lot from Desmond Ritter in his three starts. How are you feeling about Atlanta's 2023 offense? You know, I'm not sure Ritter's the guy. Um, I want to see more from him these last couple games. His completion percentage has started to come up the last couple games. He's getting the ball to Drake London, which is, you know, mission critical. So it's, it's a situation to me, like I'm a believer you build the team from the inside out and you add the quarterback and running back essentially last quarterback uh, because you want that elite quarterback with a rookie contract and running back because they're essentially replaceable. Algier has played well enough that I, I think he's shown that they don't need to spend a day to draft pick on a running back. They can bring in a veteran if they decide not to bring back Patterson. They can bring in another veteran to pair with him. Um, and and they'll probably bring in a veteran quarterback to pair with Desmond Ritter and, and see if Ritter can beat him out. I don't know if it's going to be somebody like, you know, Winston or Dalton or Mayfield or, or um, Heineke. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm sure they're going to bring in somebody, a, a veteran to compete for that job and, and they'll play the best guy. But I, I like what um, I, I like what Algier brings to the table, and Ritter showing some moxie. His issue in college was inconsistent um, accuracy, and if he the last couple of games he's cleaned that up pretty well. And so if he can continue to play, he's mobile. He's got good speed, so he brings that threat to the game. Um, but you know you want to see him passing for touchdowns and throwing for 250 yards and we haven't seen that yet yeah Atlanta's an interesting team because they've in some ways had a better season than we thought they would and that's dropped them back I still think they probably need another weapon quarterback is the biggest question to me and also it's a question of what are they trying to accomplish like I thought they were going to be trying to bottom out this year and for a while it almost looked like they were trying to go for a division title or trying to compete. And if you're trying to compete, I don't know if uh, Desmond Ritter is exactly the best option. So we'll have to 
we'll have to see, but certainly an interesting season. On to Detroit, where uh, we got a game that did both uh, Dennis and my heart good, and that is the Detroit Lions hosting the Chicago Bears. And the Lions got the 41-10 to victory over the Bears, um, which keeps their playoff hopes alive. They're up to 8-8 eight and eight on the season, a pretty uh, big accomplishment, but we will get to Detroit in a minute. Uh, first, you know, it's been interesting to watch the Chicago Bears. They have a running back in David Montgomery, who is essentially their uh, their starter, uh, but he was coming into a contract year, and we've been wondering how he was, you know, what the future was. It doesn't seem like he's their future. They've also got a young back in Khalil Herbert. Yesterday, it was mostly Justin Fields, both as a rusher and a passer, but we saw kind of an even split. Montgomery, six carries, 24 yards, five for 31 for Khalil Herbert. Dennis, do you think going into next year that Herbert's going to get a shot to be the main running back complementing fields back there? I, I think so. You know, I, it doesn't make sense for them to re-sign Montgomery to a new contract. I do think they'll bring in a cheaper veteran running back to pair with Herbert. I know they like Tristan Ebner, who's their third rounder, um, but I don't think they want to go forward with just those two guys at the top of their their order so they'll they'll bring in somebody um to be the number two i i like what herbert brings to the table he's explosive he catches the ball well he's basically an explosive version of david montgomery doesn't quite have the lateral movement montgomery has um but i i think he's shown that if he's healthy he can be the one a on the flip side uh, for Detroit, um, of course, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift had huge games just to, to spite my concern about their volume. Uh, but I want to talk for a minute about Jared Goff. There's been a lot of back and forth this season about whether and for honestly for the last couple of years about Detroit needing to go get a quarterback. But it seems like Goff has had a very solid season and has been kind of the veteran guiding presence for this younger offense as they found themselves and established themselves. Yesterday, 21 of 29, 255 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Lions are now 8-8. Eight and eight. Do you think Goff is back leading this team in 2023? I do. I To me, it doesn't make sense to – uh, with with the other holes they have, and then with the quality they have at the other positions on offense, maybe you need that elite quarterback to win it all, and Goff isn't that, but they've got a very strong offensive line. Jamison Williams is coming on now that he's back and healthy. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is, is a, the real deal. Their third receiver is probably Josh Reynolds, and he's serviceable. They're two tight ends. I, they got rid of Hawkinson, but Brock Wright and um, Zilstra seem to be doing a, a bang-up job there. They need help on defense so they can be more consistent on defense. You know, they drafted Hutchinson, who's played really well. Jeff Okuda has started to come back pretty good after his uh, missed season with the injury. Uh, that Malcolm Rodriguez has stepped in at linebacker and played really well. So they have some pieces. They just need to get consistent on defense. And I think when they can when they can play well against good teams on defense and not just against bad teams, then I, I think they'll be at the point where they can kind of try to get that elite quarterback. Maybe they go rookie. They, they probably won't be in a position to. So they'll probably have to bring in a veteran. But we've seen quarterbacks like Goff win Super Bowls. We, we've seen Goff get to the Super Bowl. So as long as everything else is clicking for them, I, I think he's a, a good quarterback, and you're not going to have to break the bank on him. So I, I, I think he'll be back next week. I like – Well, hopefully he's back for sure next yeah, week. But next, next year. year. Uh, I, I like I, – you know, I'm, I do think – I do think they need to maybe take a look at their backup quarterback. I'm not sure. I think who is it? Sudfeld is the backup. Um, yeah, because they went and got him during the yeah. hard knocks. And so I, I, I don't know if he's got what it takes to step in for a long stretch if Goff gets injured. So 
They do need to build some depth at the quarterback position. Um, you know, they've done well building depth at running back. Um, wide receiver with Chark and, and Reynolds and, and Amon Ra and Jamison Williams. So they've got good depth on offense. They just need to put the defense together and then let Jared Goff go out there and take, a, take the occasional shot and play safe ball. On to Houston, where the Jaguars came into town and won 31-3. to were able to actually rest their starters in the second half. We got to see C.J. Beathard and, uh, much to everyone's horror, a uh, healthy dose of Jermichael Hasty. Um, the Jaguars, they're now 8-8. Eight and eight. They have a basically win and you win the South in your end game against the Titans, which surprisingly got set on Saturday night, uh, the ESPN Saturday night game. I, I don't know, if, you know, it's early for picks, but I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like they're trending toward making the playoffs. If they do, they get a home game. How would you feel about the Jaguars as a playoff contender? You know, I've said all season since they've started to play well and be in contention that I think they're a year ahead of schedule. I like Doug Peterson as a, as a coach, and I think he's done really good. We, we saw... Uh, yesterday we saw Travis Etienne show what made him a first-round pick with that big run. And getting um, Calvin Ridley next year, I, I've seen a mock draft recently that had them taking Michael Mayer at tight end. Um, I don't know how I feel about that based on the way that Evan Ingram has played for them. I don't know that that's necessarily a, a need. Um but next year, I think they're going to be a contender for their division. And it won't be one of these eight and nine, nine and eight kind of things. I expect them to, to pop up into double digit wins next season. Well, and they're in great shape because we'll talk about Houston in a minute, but it, it looks like the Titans and the Colts are definitely on the precipice of rebuilds. The Colts likely will have a new coach. Both of those teams probably a new quarterback. And then there's Houston, um, which, you know, they're tracking to be the number one pick. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be great this year, but they've been kind of abysmal at times. We saw David Culley have a team that had a little bit of fight and yet get cut after one year. What do you think happens with Lovey Smith? You know, there's there seems to be – not quite the same fight uh, coming out of Houston as there was last year for Cully. I, I don't know if he needs to be replaced as the head coach. It's a it's a shit hand. And, well, I, I think by and large, we all felt Cully should have gotten another year. Um, the downside of it is, is I think the front office, they don't want to win. And the players and the coaches are doing their best to win. That's what their job is. And so it's it's a tough situation for Lovey Smith to be in. Um, it feels like a no right now. I think that it's setting up for a, um, you know, as long as they don't screw up that first pick, you know, like they did with the Trevor Lawrence season, um, as long as they don't screw it up, it feels like it's setting up for a new coach and a new quarterback. Yeah. I sort of agree. On to Kansas City, a game that, again, for the second time this season, the Broncos-Chiefs game was much closer than we thought. Broncos actually had a lead going into the fourth quarter just to get my hopes up only to crush them on the first day of 2023, making the new feel, year feel a lot like the last year and, frankly, the last six years of watching this Broncos team. Dennis, the Broncos fired their coach this week and then Greg Dulcich got put on IR, and all of a sudden, Albert O comes back to life. Three catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Are we talking ourselves back into believing he could be a thing? Well, let me ask you this as our resident Denver um, beat writer, beat, beat talker. Like, what was the talk? What was the talk in Denver about what happened with Albert O? I mean, he was he's an athletic tight end, good pass catcher. Was it just Nathan Nathaniel Hackett said, "Ah, screw this guy." I'm beginning to think he did clash with Hackett because it went from I thought it was going to be Alberto's year, and even 
there started to be concern with you were talking about a team that very publicly and brashly under Hackett said we're not playing any starters or any players of consequence in the preseason. And Albert O's out there in the fourth quarter of preseason games playing. So something was going on, and he was basically a healthy and active almost all season, which I didn't totally understand. It's clear there was some dissension behind the ranks because while Hackett's firing was made a lot of news, when they put Jerry Rosberg as the interim coach, he also fired the special teams coach and fired another one of their coaches and changed play callers. So something massive was going on behind the scenes. That being said, I feel like this is year four or year three for Albert he has flashes every season, and there has not been consistency. I think Dulcich is a better tight end prospect. I thought that before the season. So I'm I'm not sure. Maybe it boosts his value to go somewhere else, but I'm having a little trouble talking myself back into him. Well, I think he, it depends on what you're talking yourself into him for. I think he pairs very well with Dulcich, who's a three-down tight end. Albert O is a passing-down tight end. And while maybe a new coach comes in and gets some more blocking out of him because he's a big dude. He's what, isn't he like 6'6", 245 or something? Yeah, and supposedly that was part of the problem in the preseason. They were unhappy with his blocking. And and so if he's the secondary guy, you bring in Tomlinson when you're going too tight end to run. You bring in Albert O when you're going too tight end to pass. Yes, it kind of telegraphs a little bit of what you're going to do. Um, there'll be some crossover. We've seen Tomlinson catch some passes. We've seen Albert do a little bit of blocking. But I, I feel like it's a situation where um, I like the talent that he has. It it just almost – he's starting to fall into Donald Parham territory for me. You know, he flashes and you're like, man, if they just get this guy involved, he'll do big things. But they just don't get him involved. You know, he it's I don't know if he flashes because it's an accident, but I mean, he he makes stuff happen when you get the ball in his hands. And, and there's no denying that. I think Parham's a good um, comp, too. It's not that he doesn't have talent. It's just probably the way I feel about Albert is he hasn't made himself important or vital to the offense. Right. Uh, on the flip side, you know, the the. Chiefs uh, have been remaking and reshaping their wide receiver core all year. They went and made a trade for Kadarius Toney midseason. We haven't always seen a lot. Had a pretty decent day yesterday. Caught four passes for 71 yards. We're kind of seeing him. Yeah, Sky Moore's even getting a little involved. Jarek McKinnon's been going great guns. What do you think about Kadarius Toney going into 2023? I think he's a number two at best. Um the, the inconsistency, he's got the ability to be one of the top playmakers in the league. And it'll be interesting to see if Andy Reid can bring all of the other things associated with the position out of him to allow him to be on the field enough to be a consistent playmaker. Yeah. Uh, he's electric with the ball in his hands. And I think that the the persistent hamstring issues are worrisome you know he went from missing basically what a year and a half with hamstrings to now he's back in and it's like okay well let's see what happens um it, it seems like as soon as he starts to get on a roll that hamstring flares back up again and and, and I, I don't know if he's got some sort of ratio of hits to hamstring injuries or whatnot that he has to adhere to um but I love the talent. I love the electricity, but I'm so scared of, I mean, he's Gabe Davis inconsistent. Yeah. And in some ways I think it benefits him a little bit being on the chiefs where some of the pressure can be off because Mahomes does a lot of things and Kelsey's the focal point of that offense. I do Sadly, for me, being a Broncos fan, I have been impressed by some of the young talent and potential that the Chiefs are continuing to reload and rebuild with. Because I don't know how you feel, but I think they do not re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. And I think you're going to see some of these young receivers and MVS, who's on a longer-term deal with Kelsey. I think they'll keep McKinnon. 
I think CEH might be done there. Yeah, I don't see any reason why they're going to keep CEH around. Um, and yeah. McKinnon, you know, he he's McKinnon wants to win a title. He's getting up there in years. He's being used um, in, in a very very productive manner. And so, yeah, I I agree. They bring McKinnon back. Pacheco will be the grinder next year. Ronald Jones or somebody else will be the third back. Jones. I forgot Ronald Jones was on that team. Uh, on to New England, where the Patriots held on for a 23-20 win, one win over the Dolphins that kind of has shifted a little bit of the playoff fates for both teams for the Dolphins. Fifth straight loss. Teddy Bridgewater threw a killer interception and then left with an injury. They are saying it's a broken finger on his throwing hand. Tua is also viewed as highly unlikely to play in week 18, which could leave the Dolphins starting Skylar Thompson against the Jets in the last week of the season. Dennis, they were eight and three. Now they're eight and eight. They're on the outside looking in, but they still have by probability a decent shot. But do you feel like the Dolphins are tracking toward being done? Yeah, I, you know, no Tua, no Teddy. I just don't think that Thompson can get it done. He's he's still a, he he's a developmental rookie who has been thrust into it. If it was three years from now, I I think we, it may be a completely different story with Thompson. But with Tua's third concussion and how many weeks, um, you know, we know what Teddy is. It, it almost feels like Miami's going to be in the market for a quarterback. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the stories worth watching this offseason, as we discussed a little bit on Friday, is whether Tua walks away for his personal health. Uh, on the flip side, the Patriots did what they needed to do. They got the win. Now they are in technically the easiest playoff situation, win and you are in, but that win would have to come against a Buffalo Bills team that figures to have plenty to play for. Do the Patriots have enough on offense to get it done? You know, it, it's a situation. We So we've seen Bill Belichick create a game plan against Buffalo, albeit one where the, um, the Buffalo Bills quarterback was hampered by wind every bit as much as Tua was, or uh, Mac was. Can they win? Yeah, they can. Will they? Uh, I don't know. You know, they've had some injuries along the offensive line. The defense plays hard. They had a cut there. I think their top two cornerbacks were out this week. Um, you know, maybe that would maybe some of that was precautionary. Um, thinking they could they could beat Dolphins. Maybe they, they were bad enough that it's going to affect their availability next week. I definitely think that, you know, they're going to need those two guys against Buffalo. It's going to be a, um, you know, Buffalo is going to come up. They want that number one seed. It's a point of pride for them. They've been. It also makes a huge difference in the seeding. You can stay away from Cincinnati and Kansas City until the championship game. Yep. And then it's at your place. So. I think Buffalo is going to come out and they're going to play hard. I don't think they steamroll the no. Patriots, but I, I do think the Patriots, um, you know, they have a puncher's chance to put Maybe. it in boxing parlance. You know, what's fascinating is preseason. I pegged the, both the Dolphins and the Patriots to be eight and nine, just out of the playoffs and toward the middle of the season, that looked like the dumbest prediction I've ever made. And now I'm starting to feel better about it. again. Uh, on to New York, where the Giants just destroyed the Indianapolis Colts 38-10 to to lock up their own playoff spot. Dennis, after the epic collapse last week and just getting blown out of the water this week, does it feel like the Colts have quit on Jeff Saturday? I'm not sure they ever really started. <laughs> uh, you know, the way that whole thing came about, and, you know, he came in there a little rah-rah players, coachy kind of guy. But there, there are guys, players on that team that looked around at the guys that have been busting their ass on that coaching staff all season. And, and for them just to not even be considered, I think that left a sour taste in their mouth. I think 
you know, Deion Jackson might have been vocal about it because, you know, there's reports about him getting all up in Saturday's grill. And, you know, we saw uh, him very lightly used. Very lightly used. Very lightly used yesterday. So and now it's it's been good, great for Zach Moss, uh, if we're being honest. But I, if they bring Saturday back next year, I think it is a travesty. Yeah, they they just look awful too. On the flip side, the Giants entered uh, this season uh, kind of trying to discover themselves in their future, letting Saquon be on the last year of his contract and declining the fifth-year option for Daniel Jones. Now the report is that they want both those guys back, that they're pretty excited about what they've seen in 2022. What do you make of that report and the future for the Giants? Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. I, that's what I said they were going to do. You know, I, I, are they reporting what I said? I don't know. Um, I like, I like what Dayball is doing there and the work he did with Josh Allen. I think he's just replicating it with Daniel Jones and Jones is taking to it. Do I think we see a point where Jones becomes like the highest volume passing quarterback in the NFL? I, I don't think we see that. But also, Buffalo didn't have Saquon Barkley at the running back position. And a, as the Giants kind of move through this season, they're doing this with a, just a, a completely who's who of um, irrelevant wide receivers. And it's it's been phenomenal to watch. They in, installed a rookie tight end who was playing great before uh, he got his eye messed up. And now he's back and he's playing well again. Uh, the defense, Kayvon Thibodeau is, is leading a rise on that defense. So there is a lot of parts there. Uh, I think they are a year early. And I think bringing back Saquon and Daniel Jones makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, they've had a much better season than I think uh, anyone expected as well. So I'll be curious to see uh, how that ends up for them. On to our next game. Uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, played the Philadelphia Eagles and came away with the 20-10 victory. I think it was a little bit surprising. Uh, Gardner Minshew in there again, but Philadelphia puts a lot of things into play uh, without being able to get the win. We'll start with the Saints. We, you know, we started with Jameis Winston, then we've seen a healthy dose of Andy Dalton. The Saints haven't been terrible, but they haven't been great uh, with what happened with Tampa Bay. They've now been eliminated. What do you think they do at quarterback in 2023? There, there are just so many moving parts with New Orleans right now. The, um, you know, the talk about they're asking for two first-round draft picks to let some other team hire Sean Payton. Um, you know, maybe they get a first round pick, maybe they don't. Uh, that is what could honestly sort of refuel their rebuild. It wouldn't surprise me if they move on from Alvin Kamara. Um, I think he's getting up there. They're in a rebuild. Um, 
Dalton and uh, Jameis are both, I think, pretty much gone. I mean, Dalton might come back because Dennis Allen has has been playing him. Uh, and he may look at it as saying, well, I'm 35 years old. Where else am I going to go and get an opportunity to start? And if if it means be if being the starter means I'm gonna have to give way to Taysom Hill on plays and I don't have to get hit, is that the worst thing in the world? Um, most likely, I think they bring in a vet and they draft a developmental guy. I don't think they're going to be in position to get one of the early guys, but it it's a situation where. Somebody's they, they've got to start to figure out where they're going with the quarterback position. Um, th- they had significant injuries along their offensive line in their wide receiver core. Yeah, I think they really hit on a great guy with Shahid, Chris Olave. Uh, I think those two guys are going to be the core of their wide receiver group and Juwan Johnson at the tight end position. So they've got some skill, skill players there. And if their O-line can stay healthy, it's not too bad. Um, but to me, it comes down to, they need to take whatever they can get. If, if it's one first round pick to let Sean Payton go be a head coach somewhere else, you know, do it, help use that pick to, to kind of get yourself back on track. Yeah. I think a biggest question they probably have to face too, is what are they going to do with, um, Michael Thomas? Uh, who they, they just can't keep on the field. They, it looked like they tried to rebuild their weapons this year with hopefully having Thomas come back and signing Jarvis Landry and drafting Olave, and that hasn't uh, entirely panned out. So be curious to see what they do. On the flip side for the Eagles, a tough loss. This puts them a little bit closer now. Uh, San Francisco right on their heels. So is Dallas in their own division. Do you think it's really possible with the game in week 18 against the Giants that the Eagles could lose the number one seed? They need Jalen Hurts back. I mean, we, we I, honestly, I was surprised that Minshew didn't play better than, than he did. Um, I was just pulling up Michael Thomas's contract. Uh, it looks like about 25.4 million in dead cap if they, if they cut him next year. Yeah, it looks worse the more time goes by. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Philadelphia needs Hurts to get ready. And and j- just a blurb I heard earlier today was that it looked like um, that SC joint sprain um, was going to allow him to be back next week. I don't think that, uh, that Gardner Minshew – I think if Minshew had played well this week, I still think they would be trying to get Hertz back, but it might have helped set Minshew up for um, a free agent run this offseason. But, um, you know, to quote Cinderella, that coach turned the carriage turned into a pumpkin right quick at midnight. Yeah, it's more of a paraphrase than a quote. They really need. they kind of need Hurts to come back, but also I'm curious to see the Giants can't really improve their seeding. I wonder if they will play play hard. It, it would be very curious because if Dallas wins against a pretty bleak Washington team and the 49ers manage to win and the Eagles manage to lose, the 49ers are the one seed, Dallas is the two seed, and the Eagles are on the road at Tampa Bay. Quite a quite a swing. Quite a swing. Uh on to Tampa Bay, which managed to pull out the surprising 30 to 24 win over the Panthers. I said surprising because at the start of the fourth quarter, they were actually trailing 21 to 10. They had an explosion and were able to get the victory. But before we jump to them, for Carolina, Sam Darnold, since he came back. He hasn't always had incredible stats, but he has had Carolina playing well. 341 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception yesterday. Also ran for 20. He's another guy who's in a contract year. What do you think happens to Darnold in 2023? Yeah, I think he, he's going to get an opportunity to compete for a job somewhere. I don't think he's going to be handed one. 
Um, yesterday was the first time since he's been back starting that Carolina said, look, you're going to have to carry us, Sam. Um, and while they weren't able to pull out the victory, uh, uh, in Sam's defense, he doesn't play uh, defense. Um, he spread the ball around well, and Wilkes didn't look to hide him. So I, I think they're getting confidence. He got the ball to DJ Moore. Um, if we could have gotten that type of production out of DJ Moore all season, um, fantasy managers would be elated. I was a little disappointed in the production of um, Deontay Foreman, but um, that was for personal reasons, I guess. But I, I like I like Darnold to get an opportunity to go somewhere and compete. You know, he could be a, the veteran that they bring in to Atlanta to to pair with Ritter or something like that. Yeah, Foreman might be the most frustrating player of the fantasy playoffs because just about the time you gave up on him last week, he exploded, and then you you put him back in and and you get that. On the uh, other side, the Buccaneers, you know, they they struggled for a little while, but then kind of found themselves exploded for twenty fourth quarter points to get the win. Four hundred thirty two yards for Tom Brady. We saw ten receptions for two hundred and seven yards and three touchdowns for Evans. Nine for one twenty for Godwin. Is this the game we've been waiting for from this Tampa Bay offense? I think so except for the running game, the running game did not produce. Um, and I don't know, you know, there were 21 carries split between Fournette and White. I don't know if one of them guys had gotten 18 of those carries, if it would have made a difference. I thought Fournette scored a touchdown on that one play, but then Brady got the sneak and the only place that mattered to me, uh, I had both Fournette and Brady. So it was the same six points. It just would have looked better on Fournette made me feel a little better um, about his day. But, yeah, I mean, Evans Evans went off. It's we've been He's been making those big plays all season, it seems, and they've been getting called back for penalties. And yesterday they just clicked on him. Phenomenal day for Chris Godwin. Uh, it, it was – this is what we've been waiting for all season and, and what we expected. Yeah, and hopefully a good sign for them. They have locked up their spot in the playoffs, and they will host a game during Wild Card Weekend. Our next game is the Washington Commanders, who hosted the Cleveland Browns and lost 24-10 to for the Browns. Sean Watson, only 9 of 18 for 169 yards, but did get three touchdowns, did decent uh, rushing. Is this kind of an encouraging sign for uh, Browns fans? I don't think so. I mean, he was efficient when it comes to touchdowns, but we didn't pay him $252 million to complete 50% of his passes for what was it, 169 yards, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the three touchdowns are nice, but, you know, that's not that's not $250 million worth of quarterbacking right there. Um, only... Amari Cooper led the team in targets with four. It was nice that Nick Chubb was productive, but the offense just, they just did not run a lot of plays. It's a slow paced team. And I get they were playing the commanders who aren't that good. Um, but still, well, I'll, I'll take the three touchdowns. Um, I'm, I hadn't, I haven't started Watson anywhere and, it would sure be nice if, uh, you know, he was passing it 30, 35 times and, and completing 67% of his passes with that kind of touchdown efficiency. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's nice they got a win. It wasn't exactly a huge, huge like yardage day, but they did manage to pretty well dominate that game, but they dominated on defense mostly, which leads us to Carson Wentz. He was getting the start, another chance to maybe prove he could be the guy. 16 of 28, 143 yards, no touchdowns, three killer interceptions. Washington officially eliminated from the playoffs. What do you think this means for Wentz and his future? Well, I will say I'd much rather have Deshaun Watson's day over Carson Wentz's, that's for sure. Um. You know, Wentz, Wentz is he, – he's a backup quarterback. He's Case Keenum. He's Taylor Heineke. 
He, he's Colt McCoy. Actually, I'd rather have Colt McCoy, to be honest. Um, but he, he just, he's not that good. And I, I think, um, I don't want to say the game has passed him. He had, he, whatever Peterson did to bring out the great play out of him those couple seasons, that was magic. But where, where he's at now, I don't know if some of it is confidence loss in himself for getting benched and then getting moved, then getting cut, and he just hasn't been able to make it back um, in his head, basically. But the confidence isn't there. He's, he's making poor decisions. And, it, and you know, I know the Browns pay their players, too. They're, you know, they're professionals. And so some of the, some of the plays are, are good, but Wentz just uh, are good because the Browns make good plays, but Wentz, Wentz just isn't that good. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where he goes. I would imagine in 2023, he's going to end up a backup somewhere. Blaine Gabbert was the name I, I was searching for with backup quarterbacks. He's on his way to Blaine Gabbert territory. <laughs> On to uh, Las Vegas, which was one of the more surprising games of the day. The 49ers got the win. That wasn't surprising, but it was 37-34 and went to overtime, which was a little bit surprising. Dennis Brock Purdy now 4-0 and as a starter. Seems to be putting up some decent stats and running this offense pretty well. Is he making a case to be con in consideration for starting in 2023? I, I don't think you can start him over Lance. I think he's he's playing well. Um, he's making a case that he belongs in the NFL and regression is coming. He's not going to keep throwing for two touchdowns every game. I know I, I said that before this game and then he went out and did it to spite me. Um, but he's playing well. The, the team makes plays for him. He's, he's kind of starting to fall into that Mike White, um, Gardner Minshew sort of, Taylor Heineke, mythical backup quarterback, is what he's becoming. Uh, and with this, what what I, I think he's started what five games now. Um, uh, he's four now, so he started four. He's played. He came in and took over for Jimmy G in that fifth one. Yeah, so it's a small sample size. You know, I, I don't expect the Raiders to figure him out. They're, I, you know, they're just. They're, that's just not what the Raiders do. They're not that well coached at this point. Um, but per, Purdy belongs in the NFL. I don't think he's got a very high ceiling. Uh, I think when you, you know, he, he's a Mac Jones type of quarterback. Um, he just has much better weapons than Mac Jones. I mean, I'm going to sort of go the other way. I'd like to see what he does in the playoffs, but I don't think Trey Lance has made any case for him being a starter, to be perfectly honest. I don't think he has either. I, I just think that with at some point, you know, they're, they're going to, they, you can't, Lance got injured and you can't really, it's hard to judge to, to penalize him for getting injured again. And so I feel like they're going to go into the season with the expectation, into the offseason with the expectation that Lance is their quarterback. That's just how I feel about it. Um, I could be wrong, you know. Uh, as Yoda would say, that's why you lose or why you fail. On the flip side, Jared Stidham, I don't think any of us was super excited about seeing his first uh, start, but. 23 of 34, 365 yards, three touchdowns, had two interceptions, but going against the best defense in the NFL coming into the game, were you impressed with what you saw? Uh, based on what my expectations were, I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, he there, there was nothing in his profile um, that said he was going to complete over 67% of his passes for – over 350 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he had a great game. He, he, I don't know, you know, do you think was, was that McDaniel's game plan that made it great? I know that as, as a Josh yeah. Jacobs manager, I fully expected like Jacobs didn't have a great game, but based on my expectations, I think Jacobs had a great game. So, yeah. Cause the 49ers have been 
brutal to run against, to throw against, to do anything yep. against. I, and, you know, Jacobs was 70 yards and a touchdown and catching four passes for uh, 26 yards. Against this defense, I think you take that in the finals week. My, my wonder is almost if it was a little bit of a trap game for the 49ers and they had low, they had similarly low expectations. But the people that have to be the most thrilled are Devontae Adams managers in the fi- fantasy championship game. Yeah, I mean, 150 yards, two touchdowns, and seven catches. Unreal. I mean, close phenomenal. Uh, we'll move on to Seattle, where the Seahawks hosted the Jets in kind of a crucial game for both teams. Seahawks kept their playoff hopes alive with a 23-6 to win. Dennis, we saw Zach Wilson probably not the answer for the Jets. Mike White didn't seem to be the answer for the Jets this week either. The Jets are a team that have talent on offense and defense and have looked good at times. Do you think their 2023 quarterback is on their roster right now? I, I think... One of their 2023 quarterbacks is on their roster, um, and he's going to be their backup quarterback. To me, I I think it feels like, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr. Hell, they may bring Sam Darnold back. Um, (laughs) I I don't know if, if they've got the gumption to eat Zach Wilson's contract if they can't trade him. Um, but it's, I just don't think he's going to make it back. Uh, I think he's going to go the route of, you know, what was it? Jake Locker who came in inaccurate quarterback played, didn't play great and basically got dinged up. And then like what, two years, two and a half years in, he's like, ah, I'm going home. (laughs) And I think, I think that's where we're, we're at kind of with Zach Wilson. Um, you know, they've got they've got players on that team. They're getting Brees Hall back next year. They've got uh, Garrett Wilson, solid tight ends, if not spectacular. Elijah Moore is good. Three of their top offensive linemen have been out most of the year. Uh, they need some some help on the O line. Their defense plays really well. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed are probably, if not the best, one of the best tandems of cornerbacks in the NFL. So. There's a lot of pieces there. They need somebody to start to to, uh, pull the trigger at the quarterback position. I don't know that it's one of these guys here. I feel like it'll be Mike White backing up somebody next year. Yeah, I think so too. The Jets need to figure out a quarterback solution. I don't think it's on their roster. On the flip side, the Seahawks 8-8. Still alive in the playoff race, but they would need to win and get some help next week. However, Geno Smith uh, has turned things around quite a bit for them. Um, he's played well, earned a slot in the Pro Bowl. Do you think he is back as their starter in 2023? I, I think they're going to try to bring him back. Um, you know, Pete still talks about how much he likes Drew Locke. Um, but I, I think, you know, Drew Locke is just a less controversial Zach Wilson, I think. Um, well, he's on the contract year too. This would be the end of his rookie deal. Yeah. And uh, so the thing with Gino is I look at Seattle and, and I look at the landscape where they're drafting and, and the free agent market. And I'm like, like, who are they going to get that's better? I, I think that Gino, I, I, I don't want to say, well, feel some allegiance to them or some loyalty to them for giving him a shot. But I think going back to Seattle, Gino knows he'll be the starter and going somewhere else. I don't think he's guaranteed that Um, the the quarterback market, both free agent wise and in the draft isn't great. And so it feels, it makes sense to me that Gino goes back to Seattle um, and sees if they can, kind of re redo this year. Kenneth Walker will be uh, a, a veteran at that point. He looks great. They've got some pieces on offense and defense. And so it to me it feels like Gino is Pete Carroll's last hurrah. It, however long Gino sticks around two more years or whatnot, uh, it feels like at the end of that, Pete's gonna be like, eh, I'm 75, I'm 77, whatever it is. 
time for me to go to. On to Green Bay, where the Packers just destroyed the Minnesota Vikings 41 to 17 to keep their own playoff hopes alive. The Packers are now in the driver's seat with a win next week. They are in because they will have the tiebreaker over all the other eight and eight teams. The Vikings, meanwhile, had a golden opportunity to move into a record-wise tie with the Eels and now have knocked themselves out of the running for the number one seed. So, Dennis. What do we think about the Vikings after this poor showing? Well, how dumb was I for picking them to win in Green Bay? Well, on paper, 12 and 3, 7 and 8, the Vikings. I mean, they I, either win by three points or they get blown out. That's basically all they've done this season. So I know Jair Alexander is good, and I expect him to play good. I did not expect the kind of shutdown on Justin Jefferson that we had yesterday. Um, to me, that was that was just a phenomenal performance by Alexander. Um, I don't know. Cousins, what, 205 yards and a touchdown, three interceptions, including a pick six. It was just an ugly game all around. Uh, 27 yards rushing for Dalvin Cook. Um, the only one you're really – Happy that you played was Jalen Naylor. And let's be honest. Who or KJ Osborne. Jalen Naylor. KJ Osborne, seven for 59 and a touchdown. Yeah, Hawkinson was seven for 59, but. Just about what you expect. It was, it was. Uh, it, Horrendous. It was, it was brutal. We made some jokes when Aaron Rodgers said the Packers were going to run the table and get into the playoffs. Now they are literally one game away. How are you feeling about their chances? You know, I want so much to believe the Lions are going to win next week. I want to, I, I, I feel like the kid in the Polar Express who can't hear the bell. And I'm standing here and I'm shaking my little Lions bell and I can't quite hear it yet. I want to believe and I'm shaking my bell, but I don't think I can get there. I, I think the Packers are, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, is a guy that, you know, when you when you hear here now here's a guy he's that guy uh they'll have watson back i think he'll be closer to full health um you know romeo dobbs dylan and jones both look good hell even robert tunyon caught a touchdown pass yesterday so to me this is a case of rogers willing the packers to the playoffs i don't know how deep they go but i think they make it i uh I feel like it's going to be a situation where um, he puts them on his back and he carries them in against Detroit. It's going to be a heck of a game. Um, there's so much on the line, too. I, I'm like you. I want to believe in Detroit, but Green Bay has just seemingly found themselves post by. Uh, on to the Battle of Los Angeles, which is probably the closest we're going to see to uh, your ill-fated Super Bowl prediction of the Rams and Chargers. They do get to play here in the regular season. Chargers get the 31-10 win. Another 100-yard day for Cam Akers. Are you feeling good about him going into 2023? So we didn't burn those tapes like I requested? <laughs> Look, who did I pick? I know I picked Buffalo, but I'm pretty sure I picked somebody that's dead in the NFC. You know, I like what I'm seeing out of Akers. He's he's playing well. Um, you know, he's never going to have the J.K. Dobbins vision. I don't think he's going to have J.K. Dobbins balance. Um, but he's a good running back. His explosiveness is starting to come back. I, I think next year, to me, it feels like if we go into next year and Sean McVay is actively trying to replace him. I feel like it's just Sean McVay being stubborn and saying, I can, I can put anybody here and be successful. And my response is going to be, then put the guy you have there who's been doing good. That's, you know, maybe, maybe he's bitchy in practice and that's why McVay's like, I'll show you. Uh, I don't know, but I like what I see for Acres. If he, you know, with him running like this, they get Cup and Stafford back next year. I think the Rams are right back in the the race for the Super Bowl. Maybe Allen Robinson actually shows up. 
<laughs> on the uh, other side, the Chargers now 10 and 6. They've won, uh, I believe, four straight now. Um, they're in good position to actually move up to the fifth seed. Are they peaking at the right time? Well, Austin Eckler certainly is, that's for sure. You know, Justin Herbert hasn't been quite the uh, fantasy stud that we had hoped. I mean, even yesterday, 212 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I, I think when they score 31 points, you probably want a little bit more. Um, and the touchdowns were, what, to Parham and Everett. So if, if you were banking on big days from Williams and Allen, you didn't quite get what you were looking for there. Uh, as a team, you know, they got Joey Bosa back yesterday, and that bodes well for the playoffs. They still have some holes on their offensive line because of injuries. But Joshua Kelly's playing well. Austin Eckler is playing really well. Williams and Allen, Everett Carter, um, Josh Palmer. Palmer hurt me yesterday. Um, I, I did start him in a couple spots in championship games that uh, it did not go like I expected. And honestly, I was in positions where I didn't have any other options. And my, my hope was, look, if I can get, you know, 20 yards and a touchdown out of him, I'll be happy. And, and I didn't get that. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it was a sturdy win for the uh, Chargers, but it wasn't incredible for fantasy. Uh, the night game, uh, worked out like I, I had thought. The Pittsburgh Steelers getting the 16-13 to 13 win over Baltimore, keeping their hopes alive to possibly slide into the playoffs again. And they did it with a late fourth-quarter touchdown drive from Kenny Pickett, who made a couple of uh, pretty good throws uh, to get down there, including the touchdown pass to Najee Harris. Dennis, what are you thinking of Kenny Pickett as he wraps up his rookie year? He's... I don't think he's as good as Mac Jones. Um, six touchdowns, nine interceptions. I mean, Pickett is – he. It's, so everybody wants to talk about his game-winning drives and, like, completely dismiss the entire rest of the game that put him in the position. So, you know, he completes 64% of his passes. Um, I, I, I'm going to reserve – um, my commentary by and large until I get a bigger sample size. I want to see how he grows this offseason. What kind of steps does he take? As of right now, he, he seems more like an answer as opposed to the answer. Still, you know, you got to give credit to Mike Tomlin, that defense. Uh, Steelers 8-8, eight and eight, a better year than we, we thought they were going to get. I actually think they probably clip the Browns next week and go to nine and eight, whether they make the playoffs or not. The Ravens, another game, no Lamar Jackson. Uh, Tyler Huntley did one thing right. He got nine passes for 100 yards to Mark Andrews, making us all feel better about that. But they lose 16 to 13. They remain at the game and a half now back of Cincinnati. If Cincinnati wins tonight, they they will have lost their shot at the AFC North. If they if the Bengals lose tonight, they still technically have a shot. They're hoping to get Lamar back, at least for the playoffs. But how should we feel about the Ravens as contenders? Their defense has been playing well, but their offense has been a mess all year. I mean, Tyler, is, is there a more heralded, like, what, one in nine backup than Tyler Huntley? Who is like the third alternate for the Pro Bowl team? You know, I, I don't. So Huntley needs to take some massive growth steps to, I think, be more consistently viable. The downside of it is, I don't know that the Ravens' offense and the way it's built provides that kind of opportunity for a quarterback. It's built to Lamar Jackson's strengths, which is look for Mark Andrews and run. And occasionally it's, you know, it used to be look for Hollywood Brown and run occasionally. But, you know, Huntley is, you know, he's, he's great value, Lamar Jackson. He does all the same things, just not as well. Um, and his batteries run out a lot quicker. 
So, well, I like the moxie that he plays with. He needs to take a step, and I'm not saying he even needs to get to a point where he can put the team on his back for a drive. He just needs to get to the point where they trust him in a game where they, they need to win to maintain their playoff status, and they only trusted him to throw it. I, I they need to. He, I, I think even running teams need to believe that their quarterback can complete twenty-five passes in a game every once in a while, and I just don't think the Ravens think that. Yeah, that made me curious to see what they do. You know, you would think these extended stretches where he hasn't been available have perhaps boosted Lamar Jackson's value, but also it has to give you a moment of pause when they don't have Lamar Jackson. They just don't seem like they can win. They, they even suffered a couple of these, you know, come from ahead defeats when, because this was another game where they had a 10 point lead and managed to lose the game. But I don't, Baltimore is an interesting team. They're going to make the playoffs. I just don't feel good about them as a contender and they're going to have a hard road. It is actually potentially shaping up that they would play, you know, if, if things break the way we think they might, that they would have to play the Bengals two weeks in a row once to end the season. And then once uh, to start the playoffs, which would be an interesting way to go. Well, tonight wraps up, as we mentioned with the bills and the Bengals, I am still picking the bills. Uh, I picked the Bengals, and I'm going to stick with them. Should be a, a pretty uh, – What I game. need is a shootout, though, that does not involve Gabe Davis. Well, except – yeah, that, I guess that's true because even your team where you you have Davis on your roster, if you get a shootout uh, – You might get 25 from Mixon, 25 from Burrow, I'll be good. You really just need, Davis. You need yeah. the Bengals to go off is what it sounds right. like. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Wish everyone the best of luck if you are still in fantasy championship games. If your championship dreams have died and you're just sitting there watching the games, looking at your team, sadly on your phone, Dennis, what might the people also be able to do to fill their time? Just switch on over to the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. Follow us at Roundtable FF on Twitter. Subscribe. Give us a like. Uh, download. Listen. It helps us out tremendously. And enjoy some college football today. That's right. Uh, ESPN has the Rose Bowl leading right into Monday Night Football. So if you just wanted to sit there, watch games, and do nothing, today is your dream. Once again, a happy new year and good luck to all. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can.